0: Hey guys, it is Rhea here. So I just wanted to hop on before we officially start this episode and just talk a little bit about the state of the world and what is going on. Um, by the time this episode airs, a few new things have happened in the world. Um, COVID-19. So when we originally recorded this, Nashville had just experienced uh, a terrible tornado that we are still dealing with in terms of the aftermath, and we had talked about um, building a GoFundMe because in the weeks after a natural disaster, sometimes that's when people kind of get back to their normal lives and we really need a lot of help. So we're still going to do that, but uh, I really think today's episode, ironically, is very, very pertinent because... We are talking about five ways to make six figures as a writer, sure. But what we're really talking about is how to make money from home. Every single job we are talking about today, every single career path, you can do from the comfort of your own home. And I've been talking about this forever. I've been remote my entire life. (laughs) I've tried the whole like in-office thing and... I've said it forever, like, man, I get so much better work done from home. So when you listen today, if that's something your business is being affected, or you're wanting to branch into a new path, or you're freaking out and thinking, you know, what's next, zombies, <laughs> like I am, uh, really kind of listen to this in a new way, and see how you can apply your specific skill set to something from home, if, you know, if that's where we're headed. And um, you know, drink a lot of wine in the process. So <laughs> enjoy today's episode, five ways to make six figures as a writer. Welcome to Right Way, a podcast that empowers writers to become successful authors by offering a truly no bullshit look behind the curtain of the publishing industry. Tell me if this sounds familiar. You want to write a book, but you have no idea where to start. Should you hire an editor? Should you just self-publish? Should you just give up and hide under a rock? Right Way is here to put the power back in your hands. I'm your host, Rhea Fry. CEO and founder of rightwayco.com and a published author myself, I teach one thing. Writing is about more than just craft. It's also a business and it's imperative to understand the ins and outs of this industry so that you become your own best advocate. So if you're ready to stake your claim as an author, let us show you exactly how to do it the right way. Welcome back, guys, to the third episode of The Right Way Podcast. It's hard to believe it's number three. Three
1: episodes. That's episodes—that's—that's like we're, we're, veteran we're veteran now, right? We're totally we're pros. We're experts. Yes.
0: <laughs> um, before we start today, we are definitely going to mention um, something that I've just been through and experienced. I'm sure most of you, especially by the time this episode airs, um, that you've all heard about the Nashville tornado that was um, pretty devastating to our city. Um, and it's been, uh, it's been quite a week of just trauma and devastation and rebuilding, um, already. I mean, it's been so amazing, the community, what they've been able to do in less than a week.
1: Yeah. I think, um, you know, you Bria, obviously like you and your family are Nashville residents. Um, and, uh, uh, of course, it's an incredibly frightening thing uh, that you your, – your husband was in uh, London and, uh, you know, you and your daughter, totally lucky, unbelievable. Um, but you're a very integral part to the national community. And uh, I think you and I have talked about ways that Right Way and particularly this podcast can try to give back – uh, to the community, to small businesses, to relief efforts. So uh, you, we decided that between the release of this episode, which will be the last week in March, and the episode that releases the last week of April, we're going to be putting together a campaign to make sure that everybody is aware of what links to follow and where they can give drop some money, and we'll make sure that uh, that money gets into some of the right hands, um, some of the people and the victims of the tornadoes that need it most. It's
0: it's insane because, I mean, we were in New York right before it happened, and we actually had a pretty kind of weird traumatic um, uh, adventure trying to get to Ellis Island with my daughter. And then, yes, Alex flew to London, and then we came back and— uh, this tornado hit in the middle of the night. And that's always the scariest thing is when something hits, when people are asleep and there was no warning, um, ahead of time. I didn't even see anything about a tornado coming, but it was, it was pretty traumatic. I mean, grabbing my daughter, my, um, mother happened to call me and I slept with my phone in the room for the first time ever. I don't ever do that. And she called me at midnight. And was like, get in the basement. Um, and yes, our house was untouched, thank God, but our neighborhood around us, just a few streets over looks like a war zone and, and so many different areas of Nashville, but, uh, it's brought, yeah, it brought up a lot of like 1998 trauma. I was, a, I was in, um, the other big tornado that Nashville had in 1998 and so it's just been, it's been a strange week, um, in general, but again, the community is banding together so much. We want to help. As you all know, like in those first few days or weeks after a natural disaster, people, it's all hands on deck. It's so amazing. But as time goes on, of course you get back to your normal lives. And I feel like that's still when people really need a lot of help because this is going to take probably years to rebuild. So we're happy to do what we can.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like I'm, you know, a couple of the neighborhoods when I came and visited you guys, uh some of uh some of your favorite spots, some of the spots that I I discovered there for myself, like gone.
0: You know where you stayed, the roofs like gone off of that um off that brand new hotel and yes, I mean that whole entire neighborhood and where we were specifically is just it's just demolished and it's, it's pretty tragic, but it will, um, I mean, we will rebuild. And I think a lot of good things come out of situations like this. So, um, so now on to the episode, right? Um, so
1: one of the things, so this episode is sort of interesting because it's sort of, uh, another new conversation, but it's also sort of a continuation of a conversation that we started to have last episode. Uh, But last episode was really chock full, and also we will not discuss some of the technical difficulties that we had. Oh,
0: well, no, yeah, we are going to discuss it because (laughs) we we recorded the money episode, and I realized, I don't know how many minutes in I was, but that the recorder had just stopped. So it did not get most of our conversation, so we had to re-record and lost kind of a lot of the things that we were talking about. But luckily, I feel like a lot,
1: most of the stuff about money and publishing and uh, an, a writer's rights and writer's rights to what money, all of that stuff was intact and saved. But I do think we got into another conversation uh, about being a writer and making money that did, yeah, did definitely get lost. And so today, for this episode, Rhea and I sort of want to talk about the ways that you can... S- well, all right. So I think we were just talking about this prior to recording, and w- we know how hard it is, in general, to be a writer. And I think a lot of people, it's the same complaint. It's like, I don't have any time to write, I've got this shitty office job. I don't have any time to write, I bartend four nights a week. I don't have any time to write, blah, blah, blah. That that the the job that's making them the money is not supplementing their life and it's not supplementing them financially and it's not supplementing them in their pursuit as a writer. And so some of the stuff that Re and I are going to talk about today are ways that you can utilize the time you have when you're not writing to do work that will make you more money. And help supplement your career as a writer. Yeah, and I
0: mean, the title of today's podcast episode is Five Ways to Make Six Figures as a Writer. And I think when you hear that, you're like, oh, there's no way I could make six figures as a writer. And I think, you know, we've we've touched upon this a little bit, but there is a common myth that you cannot make money as a writer. We've talked about this. I think you've believed this at one point. I know that I really bought into this story at one point. And then- I remember you and I talking not too long ago, but you had that goal. You had a goal of making six figures, uh, you know? And I never set my goal to like make six figures as a writer, as an author, but I've done it the past two years in a row without really putting, i was honestly, without putting a whole lot of effort or intention behind it. So I wanted to share, we both wanted to share ways that you can do this. You know, you don't just have to like, get a huge book deal and that's the only way you can possibly make money or make a ton of royalties or sell a movie
1: deal. That's or, the myth, right? Don't you think? Or not, it that, is the myth, yeah, the, the, for sure. The, the misconception is that the only way I'm going to make that big money is if I'm a New York Times bestseller. Oh
0: my gosh, yes. And I mean, I think that's such a good stereotype to kind of kill right in the moment because when you think about writing, again, there are all kinds of types of writing or types of editing or, or anything in this art form from, yes, writing novels or writing nonfiction, screenwriting, editing, ghostwriting, content managing, copywriting, copy editing, proofreading. I mean, there are so many ways to actually monetize this profession that can be really fun and really fulfilling. And I mean, I don't know if you've ever looked online, you know, like writers wanted for you know, X, Y, and Z, but there are always, uh, jobs out there and gigs that you can get. And it's a really great way to kind of figure out what you really actually want to do and what you want to make money at and what you don't. There was a
1: really great, and BTW, I record this episode from my mother's, within my mother's (laughs) walk-in closet, by the way. So like the six figure thing is going great.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah me too i'm in my daughter's closet under the stairs uh in a blanket with spiders so it's awesome <laughs> um
1: but i think not that this totally pertains to the type of writing that we're talking about but there was a great article in time magazine about how our country america how the job market how everybody everything needs writers now more than ever oh
0: i will think and yes i mean yeah
1: and I, I think a big problem is like You know, again, and I think, Rhea, you and I keep coming back to this as, like, one of the major problems, one of the major pitfalls. I think ego gets in the way. These misconceptions get in the way. These myths get in the way so that it stops people before they've even started to look.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, I kind of have, like, a three-step... Process that I think is a really great place to start. I mean, it's the same thing if someone wants to write a book. I always like to take a step back first before you start getting into all those specifics. So in this realm, I mean, in in the craft side of things in writing or in the business side, you have to really figure out what you actually do like to do. It's like people who used to come to me when I was a personal trainer and they wanted to lose weight, but they hated being in a gym. So, but but so don't go to the gym. Like don't do an activity that you don't like. Go dance. Go ski. Go run. You know, do whatever it is that you like. But you have to find what you actually love to do and something that. Um, I mean, listen, I understand that like a job is a job and sometimes you just work a job that you don't particularly like to make ends meet, but it doesn't have to be that way. You can actually find, if you, if writing is what you want to do or editing or writing novels or, you know, screen writing screenplays, you can absolutely make money at that, but you have to figure out what you actually love to do. And then you have to get really good at that craft. So I mean, I know so many people who want to be writers that just kind of don't spend any time studying, um, studying what others are doing, uh, studying just the craft in general. And then of course, really getting into the business side of things, which is what we're all about.
1: Nobody wants to do that. No one wants to do that. that It's it's, yeah.
0: yeah. And then, and then if you have specific goals, like today we are talking about five ways to make six figures you do have to look at that monetary amount. So everything is just math, honestly. Like everything is a numbers game. And if you have a concrete goal, so if it's to make, let's say, $100,000, because I think that's attainable for most people, what does that break down per month? Like, So you need to divide that and see, okay, I need to bring in $8,333 per month. Okay, well, how do you achieve that? And I think that this is where a lot of us, you know, we set these goals, but then we kind of just don't know how to get there. We don't put systems in place. We don't have like daily actions to kind of get us there. I actually just bought this um it's a focus it's called the focus planner, the full focus planner planner, and it's by a an author here in Nashville named Michael Hyatt. He has a book called Free to Focus. And he thinks that you should have no more than three main tasks every single day. You can have a bunch of secondary tasks, but it's kind of the same with goal setting. You know, you have to have like three daily actions that are going to get you closer to your goal. And if you just kind of treat this like, I want to make six figures, and then you don't actually do the math, you're never going to really move closer to your goal.
1: Well, and setting setting that big goal too, like when when you hit the first pitfall, if you're not like uh, setting these daily actionable items that you can't like achievable goals every day, you're going to set that hundred thousand dollar a year goal. And the first pitfall you hit, boom, you're going to give up
0: completely. And I mean, I'll be totally transparent, like with the digital courses, like I want to create this arm of our business where we're creating passive income and getting out of this execution phase of clients and it's like so I did all this work and I you know we've promoted it promoted it and I mean we've sold like a handful of courses and it's like oh shit you know what so now what and rather than just give up I'm trying to find different people that really know a lot about digital marketing or finding different ways to promote it or or taking a step back and looking at relaunching it and that is so much work and I think that's where most of us give up especially like when it comes to writing a book or or doing anything, right? It's not just around writing, but any kind of goal if you're training for a marathon. And and
1: looking, I mean, like in training for a marathon, like looking at what works, like why don't you like take a look at the marathon runners that are winning marathons or like completing marathons and see what they're doing. But that
0: seems unattainable, right? Like, oh, well, I could never win a marathon. I could never run a four-minute mile. Well, no, you absolutely can if you (laughs) really want it bad enough. Or if you want that, if that is one of your goals, I'm not only going to run a marathon, I'm going to win a marathon. Like I, the other thing I mean, that I
1: think also is, uh, not one of our five points, but it's sort of like, uh, yeah, a, a blanket point, uh, a general point is, uh, community, community, community. And I know it seems like nerdy or dorky or like kind of a cheese ball thing when you're first, You're working on your novel or you're working on your screenplay or whatever. But the social media game right now and um, the sort of like independent artists bonding together to face uh, industry establishments that they feel maybe has like kept them out um, is very strong right now. Um you go on twitter and there 's the hashtag writing community there 's the w j staffing boost There are all these like different communities that are banding together and not arbitrarily it 's not this is not social shit. I have watched in real time people writers get hooked up with producers, writers get hooked up with directors, writers get hooked up with agents managers, and have gotten jobs in real time like it is a real actual attainable thing that you can utilize to move yourself forward uh while you're doing everything else
0: absolutely i mean i think that's such a great point um okay so moving into point number one or way number one to make six figures as a writer and we're we're gonna start with kind of like probably the farest reaching one first, but I do think... It, that cast the net wide. Cast the net wide, but I think it's still really possible. I mean, it's kind of what we said, you know, most people think isn't attainable, but it is. But the first way is to sell a project, a single project for a large sum of money. So selling a screenplay or selling a book and getting that six-figure advance. Um, I mean, in some ways, I know this is going to sound kind of ridiculous, but in some ways, this is almost an easier way to do it because you're putting all of your focus into one project. Now, you can definitely speak to the screenplay aspect of it, but with a book, if you really want to write something that is a lead title and gets a big advance, while you can't necessarily guarantee that, you can definitely do a few things with studying the market. Like, so studying what is selling, what are those Big books that are selling. You can join Publishers Marketplace, and they show kind of the daily deals, like what sells, um, who got a big advance, who got a nice advance, who got a small advance. So you can kind of see what's selling and doing a, do a little research on your own. Um, so really paying attention to that industry news, I think, is very important to see what types of deals are being made and what subject matter those books are around. Um, you know, again, James Patterson is still the biggest writer. Um, he sells the most books and makes the most money every year. Okay, why? Like, what is it about his novels? What is it about his stories? And and we're not saying to emulate that, but I think you do need to study what's working. Um, and then really focusing on...
1: Uh, I don't mean to interrupt, but I think a companion point to what you were saying is... <clears throat> And this will circle right back around to taking the ego out of it ultimately. But yeah, you need to study what people like James Patterson are doing, but then also don't hesitate to study why perhaps people, so many people are buying the books that he's writing. Drop into that business mind, that marketing mind, and realize that you're trying to sell a product here. No,
0: no. that I mean that is so important and I mean I always – But talk- you and I
1: are seeing this a lot in clients and stuff pretty frequently. This idea of like their perception of their own product getting in the way and they're not able to kind of break themselves free of it and make a change that might be potentially beneficial and push them more towards
0: selling. Completely. And I mean, you've also got to look at, you know, the publishers who tend to make those big deals and what agents are securing those kinds of deals for their clients. I mean, there's so much that has to happen for you to get a six or seven figure book deal, especially in today's publishing climate, but it absolutely happens. It happens every single day and it is a possibility. And I think putting all of your focus on, okay, this is what I want. I want to get this advance this is what I'm worth, this is what my work is worth, and then going after it. And when you do look at, okay, you look at the James Patterson books, you look at, I mean, Harry Potter, we can't, I mean, those are really well-written books, but there are some books out there that aren't that well-written from a craft perspective that have sold millions and millions and millions of copies. And it all goes back to story. And I think we've mentioned this book on the podcast before, but Save the Cat Writes a Novel, is a book that I would suggest every writer, whether you are established or a newbie, pick up because she is Jessica Brody's, the author's name, she is taking a popular screenplay methodology and applying it to every single genre for your novel to become a bestseller and how to break it down and hit those specific beats at the appropriate times to make sure that your book is formulaic like that to become a bestseller. They, these books really do far, follow a formula. Um, they've even joked, like, if you open it to page 35, like, this happens. And then you open it to page 100, and this happens. And it really is true. I've done a lot of research on that, and it's kind of insane. But it's it's absolutely doable. You can follow a path that's already been laid before you, and of course, make it your own. And it's your work and your voice. No one, you're not trying to emulate someone else's voice, but you really can study the market, study the business, hone your craft, and put all your eggs in like, I'm going to land this big deal right off the top.
1: And look, I, well, I'm going to say something and it's going to be pretty divisive. And I understand that. But I I made a comment on LinkedIn the other day uh, because this is yet another thing that I uh, I run up again. I, I work, I, I'm a freelance marketing writer. I work a lot. With, uh, with writing teams. I work a lot with other writers. I talk to a lot of other marketing writers. <clears throat> and I think it's as true for a marketing concept or a marketing campaign or an idea for a marketing campaign as it is for books and screenplays. Ultimately, and a lot of you are going to like hate to hear this, ultimately, it's not about you. It's not about you. It just isn't. I know that you know nobody's going to go into writing a novel manuscript if the, if there's not a piece of you that goes along that goes along with it of course but there reaches a point where you have to put yourself in the shoes and behind the eyeballs and in the brains of the people that are going to buy your buy your book buy your screenplay watch your go see your film whatever you have to surrender the concept to the people that are going to give you money well and it's
0: funny someone was recently saying they think of publishers like investment bankers almost like and i mean that's a great way to look at it i mean it is a product and yes i think that's a wonderful piece of advice when you remove yourself from it i always say to take the emotion out of it because your book is a product or your screenplay is a product It allows you to kind of get rid of all that emotional shit or baggage that you have and your opinions about your own work and to go after the bigger picture or the bigger goal. They're not going to
1: love it just because you love it.
0: uh, uh, No, 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 no. Um, And and so my question with screenplays is, is that feasible? Could someone get a six-figure deal from selling a screenplay? Honestly,
1: of course. Like, I I think is probably true with the publishing industry like crazy shit happens all the time if it potentially catches the right reader in the right way who can do something with it anything's possible probably more often than not it's going to be a hero's trial you're going to be you know in the trenches for a long time that's that's probably the way but it's totally possible and you know in screenwriting it's not the success is not determined necessarily by the script getting turned into a movie. Uh, I know I know plenty of writers who've built their entire careers just on selling pitches and scripts, and n- naria a one has ever been made into a movie.
0: <laughs> you know? well, no, so. I remember you and I talking about that, and you can make a great living that way, and things might not get made um, into a movie. And going back to like the book or to the point about writing novels, you know, landing a six-figure deal is one thing, but if you're a non-fiction author, one of the easiest ways to get a big offer from someone is to actually build your author platform way ahead of time. So build that community, build your numbers, build the demand for your book, become almost like a celebrity in your own world, not... You know, you don't have to be an influencer. You don't have to be any of those things. But and by the
1: way, I think this is important advice for any writer as well. I mean, screenwriters, I think you could, you could. This is great advice for uh, every writer. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you know, yes, it matters less if you, if you're a, a fiction author. Um, platform isn't everything, but. If you can build the community early, and again, we've talked about this, but really get people engaged and constantly asking, like, do you have a book? Do you have a book? Do you have a book? Testing content on them, seeing what they like, um, sending out surveys ahead of time, like just really getting people involved in your process. If you're writing a book, get your audience involved, get them excited so you can continually build up readers before you even have anything to sell then, you know, a publisher sometimes is more willing to make those big deals. I've seen it happen over and over and over with people. So, um so yeah, that number one would be selling a single project, which, again, can feel a little out of touch for some people, but it is possible. Number two, and we're kind of in this boat right now, is creating a digital course Around your area of expertise, so this doesn't have to be in the writing world. This can be. I have seen people who have created online courses around like making Jam and had like a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar launch um, for your course. So creating digital courses again. This could right be way. Anything. Right
1: way is now changing to Jam way.
0: We're Jam way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Weird jam way. I love it. Uh but you can do this for music. You can teach people to play guitar. You can do you you look at your area of expertise and what you can offer that no one else can. And everyone will say, Oh, well, I can just go to YouTube and it's free, or I can do this and it's free. But if you can create a course where people don't have to like hunt and pick and try to find random videos on random subjects, and you have it under one umbrella, you're offering something specific. So your, your audience is going to get a specific result that you're promising. It can be a game changer. It is complete passive income there. Okay, so for example, like say you create a signature course that is something that is completely yours, that people already come to you for and they pay you money for. And say you sell that for $1,997, which might not sound like a lot to some people or it might sound insane to some people, but if you have a successful launch and say you sell it to 125 people, that is a $250,000 launch on your first try. I mean, the numbers, when you start crunching the numbers and seeing like, okay, if I sell a $97 course and I sell to 50 people or 100 people or 200 people, you can see how doing the work up front and then being able to spread the word through your community can rack up those sales and be such a wonderful passive income stream. Um, Today, there are tons of course platforms that you can look into. We won't go too into that today, but... Two that I really love are Kajabi, which is what we use. It's K-A-J-A-B-I or Thinkific. They're kind of all-in-one platforms where, I mean, you can even do a website. You can create your digital courses. They have, I mean, everything's under one umbrella from the front end to the back end. It walks you through exactly what to do and how to do it. It handles the money and the sales. Um, It's pretty phenomenal. And then you have to just come up with a way to market it, which is, this is where I like suck and need help. And I'm really talking to people who are very strategic in digital marketing and I'm learning so much, but you know, you have to have people to market your product too. So, you know, people definitely do this through their email lists, through their current businesses, through social media, through podcasts, through ads, a lot of it's, you know, Facebook ads or Instagram ads. Um, But it is a wonderful way to hit that six-figure mark and beyond. Um, So just think about that. Do a little digging on digital courses. Think about what you could offer someone that no one else could. I mean, Joe... Because I guarantee you got something. I guarantee you got something. Everybody's got something. Everybody has an area of expertise that they can teach someone in a way that no one else can. Um, my daughter could totally teach everyone how to mess shit up and not clean up after herself. Like we <laughs> joked after the tornado that it looked like the tornado went through her room. I mean, this kid just cannot pick up anything after herself. Like it's a skill. It is a skill. It's organized chaos. It's amazing.
1: Hey, I'm going to do a digital coursework on cheeseburgers. See,
0: perfect. Like how to eat five cheeseburgers a week and not die from a heart attack i mean this is good
1: shocking i'm not dead yet shocking we're all shocked we're all very surprised oh my
0: god um okay so creating a digital course again great thing to do the third is a, kind of in the same vein the third way is to really become a writing coach or an editor um, and people might be like, well, how in the world <laughs> would I do that? <laughs> and I mean, maybe you can talk a little bit about how you even got into editing and, you know, mine yeah. was kind of organic and just did little gigs here and there, but you, you served as an editor for several different, you know, publications and, yeah. um, yeah, yeah. So chat about that.
1: I mean, I think, uh, you know, again, it's, um, as far as being a writing coach or, An editor goes, you have to find your niche and decide if that's something that you're A, good at, and B, want to do. Editing is probably, writing coach maybe not, but editing is one of the more fine line uh, writing jobs that exist. Everybody needs an editor. Everybody needs an editor. editor. No one wants to pay Um, for an
0: editor, I would say. (laughs)
1: Nobody wants to pay for an editor. So that's very hard. I um I got into it like I got my first editing job, like I, I sort of demanded it. Like I, I I I think in in my personal opinion I'm actually a much better reader than I am a writer. Um I do feel like I'm I serve another person's work much better than I do my own. So I don't know why that totally became a thing I wanted to pursue, but it was a situation where I, I definitely demanded my first job, and then I got into a freelance editorial. So it was, you know, which is freelance is a very it's a difficult way to start, and it's not for the faint of heart. I think we've talked about this before. Like, especially when you're breaking into a freelance market, it's a lot of hustle for very little payoff. Um, it's a lot of waiting in between jobs. It's a lot of trying to figure out where your next paycheck is going to come from. It's a lot of having some security in the moment and then not. But I think for me, the important thing about building from freelance into any sort of like regularity was all about it, all it, for me, it was all about community and relationships. Um, I am a bad networker, but I'm a great relationship builder. And so, it was a lot of um, putting myself in the right place to meet the right people and make sure that they knew that I was interested in what they did and what they had to say. Definitely,
0: And I mean, you know, editing, there's so many different ways you can get into editing, freelancing. I mean, yes, it is not for the faint of heart, but, you know, you can kind of set your own prices. Now there are a ton of um, companies out there that, you know, can help you find editorial gigs self-published writers always need editors and the one thing i
1: will say about being an editor is you know like i mentioned before like everybody needs or wants an editor so like when i lived in la i offered services to friends who were writers to like read read scripts and give feedback after And then your reputation builds, and you slowly start to... Yeah,
0: like... and I mean, just f- for people to understand, you know, you can make... If you're editing a manuscript, um, I don't know, again, with screenplays, but, you know, it can range anywhere from 2500 to $5,000 per project, sometimes more, sometimes less, just depending on what you're doing. Um, Now, you have to factor in how much time that takes and what kind of editorial help you're offering. Um, In terms of a writing coach, I mean, that's something that you can do very organically. Like one thing I'm trying to do is get out of working one-on-one with clients on an execution capacity and get into consulting where we do the one-hour Zoom calls. And they come to me with their projects and I'm basically helping them troubleshoot it, come up with a system in place. Yes, they can hire me if they Want me to help but i'm hopefully going to have a digital course for absolutely everything that anyone needs so i can just send them off with that but you know the writing coach thing you can set your own hours and you can set your own price points and you can set what services you offer if you're really just helping people i actually like to think of myself now more as a publishing strategist versus like a writing coach um but you get to charge per project like what you want you know with with nonfiction. Uh, with my nonfiction book proposals, I mean, I'm wanting to raise those prices to $25,000 a book proposal. It could include some branding work. So if you need an author website, if you need branding materials, you know, that could be kind of in that umbrella too. But I would work with a client for three months. So that twenty five dollars is going to go for the three months. It's working start to finish. It's going to pitch you to agents. I'm basically going to work with you until you land a book deal. And then what that would mean to hit that six-figure price point is I would just need four clients per year. So one client per quarter versus like all of these tiny little jobs that a lot of us get in the freelance community to try to make or ends feel meet. we
1: have to take. Or feel, I feel like we have we, yeah. to
0: take. Yeah, sometimes saying no you know, is one of the most powerful things because it does open you up to a bigger yes. And that's something I'm trying to up level this year. If you
1: want to know one of the things that I'm the worst at.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Is saying no. Yes. And I mean, you know, in any business, sometimes you take on lower weight clients that actually end up being higher maintenance. Uh, I think anyone in the entrepreneurial world has been there where they say yes to a client They need the money and then it's at a lower price point, but it's so much more work. If you pay more money for a product, you are, you're just in a different, it's like a different experience. I'm not saying it always goes smoothly, but if someone is investing a lot of time and money in you, they're usually doing that because they believe that you are an expert in what you do. So they're going to be willing to listen to what you have to say and you're going to really want to bring your top-notch work because you'll have the space to do that. And I mean, again, that's where, that's one of my goals is if I do take on execution clients, I'm taking on one per quarter. And then it kind of goes back to that single project mentality where it's like, okay, I can take my time and find that perfect one client who I know I can help and I know I can help them reach success Versus again having six, seven, eight clients at a time where it's just kind of churning. And, and
1: one of the other things too, I want to mention just about like writing, coaching, and editing uh, is you know back to a an earlier earlier point in the episode is look no further than community, community, community. Um, you know the this whole podcast, this whole company um, that Rhea and I are working on is all predicated uh, on the idea that like. 80 to 90% of the people in the world want to write a book, you've got a community in your city, in your town, at your workplace, wherever, of people that might be writing, that might be working, that like, maybe there's a writer's group and this is all, that community is all potential clients if you're looking to like build a business as a writing coach or an editor.
0: Absolutely. Completely.
1: Pimp your friends is what I'm saying. Pimp them. Pimp them for jobs.
0: Exactly. No, I mean, I feel like so many cool jobs or side jobs or anything, I mean, is definitely by who you're talking to. I mean, I told my my husband this when he was a freelancer for a long time, and then we got pregnant, and he, well, I got pregnant. He didn't get pregnant <laughs> we were like oh shit you need the w- yeah you need the w2 job and i mean he applied and applied and applied and applied to jobs and it's like in this day and age specifically what what are the better chances like you just sending in a resume that may or may not see any human you know it might go through some sort of weird service and it might not see the right person or going out there and meeting the right people and talking and you know people think that that's just like oh i have to network and i don't like networking it's not it's conversations it's relationships which is what you were just saying it's seeing how you can be of value or be of service you should always be looking how you can bring your level of expertise whatever that is and help someone else and i think when you get into that mentality of not like what's in it for me how much can i charge but like okay i know what my value what my value is how much i'm worth and this is what i'm going to offer you and you're going to be so much better for it in the end. And I think some, you know, you have to have confidence in what you're doing if you do want to get to that six figure level or seven figure level or beyond. And it's not out of reach. I'm like, I'm sitting here telling you, because I think for a lot of people, they think that could never be me. I work a normal nine to five, like not going to happen. Don't have time. Wouldn't know where to start. But you you absolutely can. And I I mean, again, that's, I don't really have another point besides that (laughs) other, other than, other than you can. Um, okay. So going on to point number four, um, is kind of, again, a blend of what we've been talking about, but actually just looking for gigs, like, so looking for the editing gig, the content management gig, um, a ghostwriter gig. Ghostwriting is something if you really love writing, but you don't want to be in the limelight, there are more ghostwriting jobs out there than you can even imagine. Uh, but there are so many great resources for this particular point, um, of places that you can find that are constantly listing jobs or, uh, you know, just all kinds of things. Um, where, where's your favorite place to go and look for, like, freelance gigs? I mean,
1: I think, uh, I think uh, LinkedIn is, like, a great spot for, in particular, uh, remote, um, uh, like, uh, freelance remote kind of stuff. I also would recommend, if uh, depending on what city you're in, uh, you can sign up for a profile not only on, like, Indeed, but there's a, a website called Creative Circle, Um, And they'll send you updates. They'll send you job postings. uh, And you can, you know, you can put in whatever filters that you want to put in. You can put in, uh, I want to work in LA. I want to work in New York. I want to work in Nashville. I want to work work in Chicago. I want to work remote. I want to work freelance, temp, part time, full time, whatever. And they'll send you updates. And then you submit, you know, your portfolio, your resume, a quick, like, three bullet point. Like, a little pitch for yourself on why you're right for the job. And, uh, you know, it's a numbers game like anything else. And if they're sending you two, three postings a day... I mean, that's not bad. Apply for uh, everyone. Absolutely.
0: And I mean, that's something that people can reach out to us as well. Like I love helping people figure out what their goals are and then like, okay, this is where you should look for this type of job or, ooh, you should talk to this person. Because again, going back to what you said about community, once you build up that community, I mean, I feel like between the two of us, we know a shit ton of people that could help other people out. And actually I was just thinking, so I just, I just changed literary agencies I have a new film agent and we want to shop, you know, my latest book for film. And it didn't even dawn on me that you are in this world and know all kinds of production companies. And it's like, oh, my gosh, like, why don't we chat? And I I mean, I'm just so interested in learning, learning about the process. And and that's another thing I would say to people is be genuinely interested in whatever it is that you're applying for or trying or whatever and not just think about it like oh i gotta get this job or i've got to make x amount of money that's huge
1: that'll be a mindset thing ultimately that'll affect your you know yeah that's a huge mindset thing it's going to affect how you behave and how people read you Uh, Absolutely. That's such a a great piece of advice. Well,
0: you know, I try. Um, I mean, come on. God, especially today. The brain deadness is real, people. (laughs) Don't judge me. This episode. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, and there's another, gosh, there's so many. I mean, if you just Google, you know, writing gig places or there's a place called Readsy, I mean, I do think LinkedIn is great. There's also something called, this isn't really for paid gigs necessarily, but if you're trying to build up your portfolio and just get some pieces under your belt or, you know, contribute here and there, or you're interested in journalism, there's something called help a reporter out. And you can you can go on. It's called Harrow, So H-A-R-O. And you can actually go through and figure out like, OK, I'm really interested in health and wellness and You will get like a million emails a day of reporters writing articles for really big you know, sometimes they're really huge magazines or newspapers and sometimes they're smaller or more local, but it's an opportunity for you to contribute your expertise so you can get quoted, you can get interviewed, and then you start showing up in no those magazines. Way. Oh my gosh, did you not know about Harrow? No. Holy shit. So in my early days like of journalism, so I used to do a lot of journalism, I mean, I got so many... Articles and interviews in really huge newspapers and magazines, just from responding to these daily emails. And again, you can filter it to what your interests are, and it's it's fantastic. I mean, I I tell everybody that, especially if you're looking to up your media, uh, just kind of your exposure on that level, and you want to get the media interested in you, you can point them to be like, oh, hey, I was in the New York Times, quoted as saying this, and I was here and I was there, so. That's such a good place to start to build up more recognition. It's not necessarily going to bring you any kind of monetary compensation, but it's it's a great thing to do. Oh, my God. That's incredible. You're welcome, Joe Tower.
1: This, this podcast episode just changed my life. Yeah.
0: Really. <laughs> Oh my gosh. That's all okay. I'm
1: doing. I'm all Harrow all the time. for All now. Harrow.
0: All the, well, I actually had to unsubscribe because I would get them so much and I would just spend like hours responding to 15 of them. And, you know, you can respond to three or four, but I almost always heard back from someone. So that was what was really cool. Um, And then that's just a new connection. You know, you can look that reporter up or that journalist up on LinkedIn and connect with them that way. So they keep you top of mind. And I mean, again, it's just it's always about relationships, like you said. You know,
1: and another thing just to add to this point about like gigging or like getting gigs or freelance gigs or whatever, if you're writing a fiction manuscript, nonfiction uh, book proposal, screenplay, whatever. Con- research that industry in wherever you live, uh, in your in your city or town. And maybe there's a production company, publisher, literary agent, office, or whatever that you could apply for a job at or intern at or whatever. It's, you know, something like that also is just worth it to check out to like supplement the, Definitely your, the greater pursuit.
0: And so that brings us to our last point, which isn't anything um, crazy or spectacular, but it's really just... A combo of some of the things that we've mentioned before. So I hit my first six figures with a combination of my advance, some royalties, um, because again, I only get royalties every six months. So I think I got, you know, like one set of royalties. And then this coaching business, this organic coaching business that was referral only, where I started just getting these clients and then boom, hit you know, six figures and was like, wait, what? How did that happen? And then the next year it was more intentional with, I kind of kept um, kept the writing stuff separate and then grew the coaching business to a six-figure business on its own. So I don't really have to rely on that author income, which is awesome. But once I started to see the numbers and work that out, then I really could, could see where I wanted to go. And I don't know, once you hit it, it's like any goal. I think we've talked about this too, but it's so fleeting and- we're in that more, more, more mentality where it's just like, okay, great. I did that. Now what? So I think you have to, going back to like one of those earlier points, you have to really like this. You have to really want to do this because it's not like, especially in the writing worlds, it's not always glamorous. It's so behind the scenes. I am
1: in my um, mom's closet. Yeah.
0: <laughs> You're wrapped up in one of her sweaters. I mean, I'm seriously sitting here looking at like a robot and a hairbrush And butcher paper and paint and yeah, it's not glamorous, but it's, but leading with loving what you're doing and it going beyond, it just going beyond the money. But if you, if money is a goal, then that's okay. And you should be proud of that and okay with that.
1: Um, But yeah, I think you're so right to bring this up. I think this is the key. Like if you don't love it all the way. I don't know. The whole whole gamut of it then might not be for you, honestly. No,
0: and like maybe you really love editing and you can make most of your income from that, but you want to supplement with, I don't know, proofreading or writing blogs or getting some... I mean, I was just talking to um, a writer, a local writer I met. She's a novelist, but she also uh, writes for the Washington Post and that's like you know, the majority of her income. And I mean, that's so awesome. Like when you can kind of pick and choose what you want. So if a six figure sal not salary, but a six figure income is what you want, then come up with a creative way to get there. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be just one thing. It doesn't have to be seven things. It can be a strategic marriage between two skill sets that you figure out how to, bring those together. And again, we are totally open for any kind of coaching calls or consultation calls. I'm actually taking one tomorrow about um, someone who's like wanting to kind of get back in the writing world and they, they want to like have it be really beneficial for their business, but they don't really know what they should do. So sometimes it's just talking to someone, seeing skill sets that you might not even realize you have and figuring out how to monetize And that. our
1: emails are totally... Readily available on the rightwayco.com website. That's W-R-I-T-E-W-A-Y-C-O dot com. You can get a hold of either of us. Uh, you can get a hold of our creative director, Alex. Anytime you need to like, yeah, you want to hash it out. You have questions, concerns, whatever. And that, please do. That's
0: something we haven't talked a lot about, but branding. So, so my husband just got back from London where he created an app for a contest with a group of people and these are all people who are getting their MBAs and at the um, booth school, um, there's one based in Chicago and they were at the London branch. and design is so important in whatever it is that you're doing, just like copy and content, writing is so important. Designing your brand, designing your aesthetic, designing anything, whether it is your website, it is your business card, um, I want to have Alex on here at one point because we joke all the time, like, I can't tell you how many times we've been in a room with writers or with other professionals and they hand their business card over and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, this is terrible. Like, no, just it matters. I mean, that that kind of stuff matters. It it gets you thinking about your brand differently. So well, and if
1: you're thinking about your personal brand and the design for your personal brand, Then that will get you thinking about the the design and brand and marketing of the shit that you're doing.
0: Absolutely. And I mean, everyone has a personal brand, whether they think they do or they don't. And, you know, really taking some time to figure out what that looks like, what that feels like, what you want other people to feel like when they see your website or when they take your business card. That's very important. And again, we are offering all of that as well. Um, And it all kind of goes together. I mean, All of this is under the same umbrella and we're all just trying to figure it out. But it absolutely can be done. You can be successful, especially in this profession, even when you hear the grim statistics or even when you think you can't you can.
1: And those are the times when you really need to like maybe step it up a little bit. The other thing I wanted to mention just drop in and mention uh, at the at the tail end of, of point number 5 here is is creating freelance content. Now, you're not going to make six figures doing this. Um, and sometimes it's a lot of work for a little money, but publishing credits or like publication credits can add to the resume and can add to the portfolio. So like don't hesitate to look into the worlds of like writing copy, writing ads, writing blogs, um, there are tons of job sites for these things, uh, and the one thing I do want to pimp, uh, if you're on Twitter, is you should totally check out Sonia Weiser. She's a New York-based freelance, New york freelance writer. She's got a tip sheet called The Wise Choice. Um, her email is sdweiser at gmail.com, and her tip sheet is dope, and if you're a freelance writer... And you can turn and burn this is this it's this kind of stuff that's gonna work perfectly for you because you can just pick this shit out uh, of these tip sheets and and submit, 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 make a little money, keep the writing uh, skills honed if you know I what mean, I
0: that's mean. such a great piece of advice, like writing essays ahead of time and also knowing how to pitch. I actually just hired a media coach who's local Mary O'Donohue. She was Oprah's producer for eight years. She's fantastic, but she really teaches you the art of pitching because pitching to editors or pitching to media, that is everything. So you can write an amazing piece and then not know how to pitch it and you won't get any attention. And what she always says is like, people only pitch when they really want something, right? Like you have to establish that relationship early, be like if it's a publication that you like, read that publication. If it's a TV show you want to be on, watch that TV. See what ads that they're playing on on the commercials of that TV show. See what questions they ask. If they're interviewing someone, become like a student of research around the thing that you're wanting to land, the gig that you're wanting to land. Know how to pitch Go ahead and do the work ahead of time. And then, like you said, I mean, gosh, I write for a lot of like, or used to write for a lot of online magazines and um, even health magazines. Like if, oh, I want to be in Shape Magazine or, you know, Fitness or whatever. I mean, digital content, you know, can pay decently. I mean, it can be 500 to to 1000 bucks a post, much more if it's in print. But think about that. If you get, you know, five articles a month or... Five articles a week, or you know, depending on what you're doing, then it really it it really starts to add up. So um, there are all different kinds of ways you can do this, but I think researching the outlet that you want to be on in the freelance world is a huge tip because so many people will pitch and they've never even read the thing. They're like, oh, I just want to be in the New York Times or. I just want to be in Forbes or
1: they don't even know. And they don't even think about how that's going to happen. Right. Like,
0: exactly. Yeah. So it is, it's the step-by-step stuff that we don't want to do. It's all the behind the scenes and the homework. So if you need someone to help you be accountable, you know, get a coach. I mean, that's us. Holy know, shit. That's it us. Is, yes. Yes. Or if you can't afford it, like barter with someone, if you have a skill set that you can offer, I'm a big fan of the barter. Great like, advice. It's, yeah. yeah. Yep so and what else yes speaking of
1: bartering <laughs> we're, we're trading you this information for a listen a subscribe a rate and a review so if you like like what you heard today even if you didn't like what you heard today uh please 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 rate and review the episode if you like and want to hear more subscribe if you didn't like it Email us. Let us know what conversations you want to have. What are the things that you need to know about that you want to know about that we haven't talked about yet? We hope you guys stay tuned.
0: Indeed. Well said. <laughs> thank you. My brain is officially oh, dead. And that's it. It's,
1: that's it. We're, <laughs> we all got to go get some rest and have some wine, guys. Um, thank you. Thanks, yes. everyone, so much for listening. Thank you, guys. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to Right Way. If you liked what you've heard, please subscribe and rate or review this episode. And if there's something you want to hear, head on over to rightwayco.com and let us know. Until next time.